I'm going to introduce now, we've got a guest speaker today, Bill Holbrook. Uh, if you weren't with us last week, we heard from a couple friends. Um, they shared their story, kind of talked about the, the highs of their lives, some of the struggles they experienced as a family, as a couple, and where God has taken them as a result of that. And Tim is kind of their partner in, in crime in starting this organization called Seekwell. Um, and so Tim, uh, Bill is going to come and share some of the practical side of what it looks like uh, to get away uh, and to spend time with Jesus. And so as Bill comes, um, uh, he's been a friend of mine for a long time. We've worked together in ministry. Uh, he is currently serving at Kensington Church up in Birmingham. And so he's taken the day to, to spend with us. And he actually, believe it or not, has a title here at Fieldstone of overseer. Now you're thinking that's kind of weird. He works at another church. Uh, but if you're a churchy type person like I am, you might recognize the term elders. You might recognize the term deacons. Um, uh, we have a third layer of accountability and encouragement called overseers, and that's currently three uh, experienced, uh, respected pastors from outside of Fieldstone. Uh, to provide that extra layer of leadership for us. And so they show up every once in a while. And if for some strange reason I got hit by a bus today, uh, you'd probably see more of Bill and our two other overseers just kind of filling in and making sure that we're cared for in the meantime. Um, those are also three pastors who, if I need to get my butt kicked, they are more than willing and ready to do that. So it uh, feels a very important role here. It feels, hey, 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 easy. No, 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 no. <laughs> You just said, well, you said trusted and respected. I don't know if I've ever been called that before. This I is, trust uh, you and I respect okay, you, so well, that's all that matters. Still friends. I'm the pastor here, whatever I, I think matters, right? No, no I'm kidding. Uh, so let's welcome Bill, and he's going to share with us. Thanks, Bill. Oh. <laughs> Justin, I was just thinking. I was thinking of one of the first times we hung out on a youth ministry conference. <laughs> Remember the Simply Youth Ministry Conference? We, no, we, I can't share that. Uh, I have stories we can't share on stage here about Justin. No, honestly, though, Justin and I go back probably a decade. Uh, I was a student ministries director uh, at a church, and I needed a, a high school pastor at a campus, and somebody gave me his name, and I went fishing. I, I, they told me, you can fish for him. You're not going to get him. You're, you're not going to get him. And when somebody tells me I can't do something, anybody else here, when like, you can't do that, I'm like, oh, you watch me. Uh, and we got on the phone, and he was somewhere in rural Wisconsin buying cheese, hanging out with some some livestock. And uh, at that point, he came on staff at a church. And since then, we've been friends. I uh, honestly, I, to be, I, I didn't share this first service, Justin, but I remember, I remember the refresh weekend by the fire at Proud Lake where you came up to me and said, hey, can I share something with you that God's been speaking to me? You, you say, it's going to sound crazy. And he said, I've been thinking about planning a church. And I was like, oh, that is crazy. Church planning uh, is very crazy. Uh, and here we stand three years later. And uh, God's done some awesome things in your life. And in, as you look here in this, in this church family. Uh, like Justin said, my name's Bill. Um, I'm really excited to be here today. I've been in this building a few times working with Joe and Justin, but, but never here on a Sunday. And it doesn't disappoint. This is an amazing feel, an amazing community today. Uh, and I get to kind of uh, take what Tim and Kelly talked about last week. Uh, Tim's my cousin. He's one of my best friends. Uh, we've been working at Sequel and Refresh for, for a good part of, of five to six years. Um, and they talked about what happened in their life, successful life, successful family uh, on the outside. But underneath, there was this void that without the intimate relationship with Jesus and without seeking him in an intentional way, there was a void that crept in over time. Uh, their marriage was on the rocks. And what they found through that is that Jesus wants this personal relationship, daily relationship uh, built on rhythms and built on intentionality. Uh, and that's kind of where they left last week in that, that moment. And so I get to talk today a little bit on what that means and how we can actually apply that to our lives in different action steps and practical steps today. A uh, few things about me. Uh, when we talk about this idea of slowing things down and, and about rhythm and rest, I'm just going to admit right now, like I am not the greatest at it. 
Like the, the idea of rest and silence and solitude and slowing down to me, uh, kind of like even saying it right now, like I kind of get a, a little wiggly. Uh, that's just not a word anybody's used to describe me. Uh, my family, I'll show you a picture of my family here. This is my, uh, my, my two daughters and my wife, uh, who's at home with my two daughters um, this morning. And so uh, I say this about my kids. They're phenomenal kids. But usually when I speak, I use this as an opening line. So I have an 11 and 14 year old and I've never changed a diaper. And the ladies in the room are like, which is his vehicle? I'm slashing his tires. The guys in the room are like, maybe I should text him real quick. How did he do that? Uh, but the truth is uh, that that reason is because we adopted them at four and seven from the foreign country of Ypsilanti. Um, so they, uh, they've been in our lives for about six years. Uh, and I, I can say that diaper thing. And then this happened a few months ago. Uh, this right here happened. Um, does anybody notice his color palette in that picture? I don't know if there's any Spartans that are a little sore in the room today. Uh, so, wow, there's Michigan in both. Eric, how'd that happen? I don't even know how that, how that even happened there. So this is Jonathan Daniel. Uh, he's a miracle baby. We've been married 15 years, and this is our first biological child. And that's a, a different story that I can share on a different date. Um, but he uh, came into the world on July 22nd, and I've changed multiple diapers, ladies. <laughs> multiple. I could go into detail on that, but I won't. Um, and what I find in this whole thing of life with family and with friends and lives and schedules and marching band and high school and middle school and infants, man, it's hard to slow down. It's hard to get a breath. It's hard to rest. It's hard to move into that space where you feel rejuvenated and rested. And for me, like I said, slowing down is really hard. The way that my family describes me to other people, uh, oh, and we have an 11-year-old dashhound uh, who's not pictured. Uh, but the way my family describes me to others, and I've heard them say this, they go, oh, Bill, he, he's a moving target. Like if I go to sit next to him for five minutes, he's up doing something else or he'll move around here, or he's going there. I'm future-oriented. I'm always like, well, yeah, I'm glad we're here right now, but we have to do X, Y, and Z. My brain doesn't stop. My body doesn't stop. And, you know, Tim, Tim told his story, him and Kelly's story last week, and so I'll give you the abbreviated version of mine. Um, 19, not, no, I was born in 1980, but that's not where I'm going. Um, 2011, so I'm 31 years old, and I'm in ministry, and on the outside, successful ministry, successful position, uh, great marriage, no kids yet, uh, but I'm sitting there, and something's off. I think, I don't know if you've ever been there before, where there's this, things are going good on the outside, but on the inside, there's like this impending doom. <laughs> like there's this thing creeping up and you can feel it. Things weren't right. So I went to a, a youth ministry conference and I'm sitting there and, and there's this lady that gets up and starts talking. And this is youth ministry, so people's attention spans are, are very, very short. Uh, and she's talking, she's talking about rest and your soul, like the condition of your soul and silence and solitude. And I'm, I'm a 31-year-old, you know, former baseball player. And I'm like, okay, whatever, whatever, whatever. And something in her words just hit me. And I was drawn in. And something, it like resonated in my heart deep down. I didn't even know what it was, but it resonated. So I did what everybody does in that situation. I went and bought her book. <laughs> and so I got her book and I started reading it. Uh, and I got done with the book and it was on silence and solitude. Once again, words I'd never said before in my life. Raging extrovert that loves to be with people and loves to do things. And so at the back of the book, there was this resource page. And so I went to her website and there was this thing. It said, oh, if you want more resources, go to the website. So I went to the website and there was a spiritual retreat center that they had. Now, I'm not a monk or a nun, okay? So when I hear the term spiritual retreat center, I don't even know what I think. 
But in that moment, I'm like, oh, that's not for me. But there was something that kept pressing there. So I, I'm like, fine, I'll do it. You know, I'll walk into a room. There'll probably be a whole bunch of 60-year-old people sitting around. You know, I don't even know what this is going to be. So I get in the car. And it was a few months after that. And I drove there. It was on my birthday, 2011. And I drove there. And I sat in a room much like this. Very, very similar setup. And, and the lady started talking. And this is my journal from it. I, I, was, I was flipping through this last night um, of my journal entries from that first spiritual retreat weekend. And it just, something resonated deep in me of desperation. That there was something wrong with the pace I had been running. It wasn't sustainable. My heart was corrupt. My relationships weren't healthy. I physically wasn't healthy, any of that. And so I entered into a journey over the next two years. We went back every three months to this retreat center and, and God started teaching me these spiritual practices, things I never, I grew up in a charismatic church where like a spiritual retreat was a Sunday night church service where there were seven worship songs and no message. And that was like a spiritual retreat, right? It was the emotion and the music. And, and there's a, a definite place for that. Um, but there wasn't a heavy emphasis on scripture. Uh, wasn't a heavy emphasis on prayer. wasn't a heavy em- emphasis on uh, confession, contemplation, uh, journaling, all those things. And so through this two-year experience, God shifted something inside of me. So I come back home, and my friend Tim had just gone through his own experience that you heard last week. And so we came, kind of these, these two lanes of a freeway kind of converged together. And I looked at him and said, hey, should we start doing some spiritual retreats together? Sure, let's do it. And out of that uh, refresh, which was our men's experience in Sequel, kind of was born. But what I learned in that is I was very desperate. And in that moment, in that retreat center, in that quiet, in that stillness, learning how to tend for the things that are going on inside of me, which like quick pause, time out. We don't do that a lot. Guys, we don't do that a lot. To think of what's going on inside of us in the moment it's happening. You know, men usually have two emotions, like happy and angry, right? Uh, and, and so to actually identify what's going on underneath the surface, was something I was never taught. <laughs> I, I grew up uh, in, a, in a suburb of Detroit, uh, Lincoln Park, and we, it was a very blue-collar environment. We were not taught to identify and express our emotions on a regular basis, <laughs> you know, but to figure out what God was doing in the moment. And over the past few years, man, it's just been amazing to see what that awareness leads to. But, but I know this, is that I'm probably not the only person in the room today who has a hard time stopping, I'm probably not the only person in the room today that has a hard time slowing down with work and with kids and with hobbies. The movement, the the proving, the achieving, the taking more, doing more. And for most of us, rest looks like this. At the end of a long day, we walk home, we pet our dog, say hi to our, our spouse and kids, and we head over to the Netflix account, or we head over to our device, or we pick up our phone, and we just keep going. Because rest is, is passive rest. There's nothing active about it. And if we're really honest, it's not restful. We wake up the next morning more drained than we were the night before. We live for the weekend. We live for a vacation. And it never seems to fulfill its promise. And so we live these lives. Tired, worn out, burnout, and exhausted. And the tension comes in when we know there's a better life out there. We know as believers, if you're a Christian in the room, you know John 10.10. I came to give you a life. And the message translation says a better life than you could ever dream of. So none of us, like, at 16 said, you know what? I want to live an average busy life where I'm always tired, uh, never really have the family or job I want, never really have the joint adventure that I want, but I think I'll just settle into life and it'll be great as an adult. Like, your 16-year-old self would have slapped you. Like, that's what would have happened. 
But we get in this pattern of living and we get stuck in a rut where days, weeks, months can go by. It's kind of like that drive you go on where you don't know how you got there, but you got there. And you're like, well, really glad I didn't get in an accident today. That's how our days and weeks go by. We wake up and a month has went by, a year has went by, a decade has went by, and we're still the same person, struggling with the same things and the same ruts. Our relationships haven't grown, our spiritual life hasn't grown, and we sit there and we go, God, there's got to be more to life than this. I've been there. And the tension comes in where we don't build in these rhythms, we don't build in these practices, and busy equals important, and stopping equals weak, pausing equals lazy. We focus on what we can do when God really wants to focus on who we are. We're not aware of our motives. We're not aware of our responses. We don't even know what drives us, but yet we get caught in this hamster on a hamster wheel 24-7. And the consequence of that today, if we live that out, is when we don't develop these rhythms, we live a life that God didn't create us to live. That's why anxiety and depression is at an all-time high right now. Because we live a life we weren't meant to carry at a pace we weren't meant to run without a God who loves us and cares for us. And we live that life, that second best life, that third best life, that fourth best life, that fifth best life. We're not living the way God had created us. I'm not living the way God has created me to live. And we settle into it. So if I stopped today, this would be a really, really, really downer of a message. Uh, But the truth is that God's given us hope. God knew we'd get caught in this rat race. God knew that we wouldn't know how to slow down. He knew that we would be busy. He knew that we wouldn't know how to choose the good from the great. And he knew that we'd need to snap out of it every now and then. He knew that we'd seek the next achievement. He knew we'd seek the next accomplishment without thinking about it. And so he wants to show us in scripture what it means to wake up, what it means to be aware of what's going on around us and in us, to connect with him and seek him well. And so today what I want to do is I want to open our Bibles in Matthew 11. Uh, If you have a Bible, awesome. If you have it on your phone, awesome. Uh, Open up your phone and then put it on airplane mode. Uh, So you can kind of follow with us today in Matthew 11. Here's the context of what's going on. Matthew chapter 11 has the, the red letters, like the red words of Jesus. And when I was younger, I would always look for those in scripture. Those are kind of the words of Jesus. So Jesus is speaking and he's speaking to a crowd. Some of the crowd are his followers. Some of the crowd are his disciples. Some of the crowd are people that don't even know him yet. And he's kind of ending his message. He's, he's ending, uh, he was talking about culture. He's talking about behavior and he's ending that. And he says this, Matthew eleven twenty eight. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Now, if you're not a Bible scholar like I'm not, uh, a yoke is kind of a wooden necklace that they would give to an oxen that would be attached to a sled that would drive the oxen through the field. So it's a heavy wooden thing that drives the livestock, right? So he's saying here, take, he's saying this right here. He's saying, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Let's be honest for a minute. The schedule, expectations, shoulds, and pressure of life is not light. I don't care what demographic you're in. I don't care what age you're in. I don't care if you're in middle school. I don't care if you're in retirement. Life does not sound free and light. Let's look at another translation. This is the message. It's my favorite because I think it's at a fifth grade reading level, which is right on point for me. So we're going to read this. I love the way it says this. Are you tired? 
Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That invitation was true to the crowd he was speaking to. And that invitation is true for me and for you today. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. That's countercultural. That resonates with us, right? So when we read this, there's a few things that stick out to us. The first line there says this. Then Jesus said, come to me. Jesus, Savior, God, wants a intimate and personal relationship with every single one of you. I don't care where you grew up. I don't care where you've messed up. I don't care about your education background. I don't care about your past. I don't care about your family situation. Jesus is saying to you right now, come to me. He's saying, I want to relieve you from your oppression. He's saying, I want to deliver you from what you rely on. So whatever we rely on today, whatever it is driving you, whatever relationship, uh, whatever work environment, whatever achievement, whatever's going on inside of you that's driving you, Jesus is saying, hey, that's a heavy, heavy burden. Let me trade it for a light burden that I can give you today. See, Christianity is a relationship with the person of Jesus. It's not a relationship with a church. It's not a relationship with a program, an event, a worship song, or theology. It is a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ who wants to know you today and be in relationship with you. In that relationship, he wants to hold up a big red sign that says stop. See, that word rest in this verse means this. It means to refresh and to rest up, but it also means to cease from labor. Now, show of hands, how many of you in here, you have a job that is like nine to three, nine to four, and you don't have to worry about it the minute you walk out of work? Raise your hand. Okay, look, raise those hands. There's like six of you in here, all right? The rest of you, you are laboring all the time. You're on your text messages, you're on your Facebook messenger, you're on Instagram, you're on email, you're on whatever WhatsApp that your company uses, and you are busy all the time. Now, it may not be physical, but it's here. We're laboring, we're working all the time. And Jesus is saying, hey, that doesn't work. I need you to stop and rest. He also says here, when he says learn from me, that this means that, hey, I'm going to teach you something, and it's going to take you time to repeat it. He uses this word rhythm of grace, this repetitive motion over and over and over again. Now, I don't know about you, but Jesus with me will tell me something and then I'll do it and then I'll mess up Then I'll do it again and I'll mess up and then I'll do it again and I'll mess up. Then I'll do it once and I'll get it right and think I know how to do it and then I'll forget and then I'll do it again and I'll mess up. And it takes me, it takes me a fair amount of time to learn something from God. And Jesus is saying here, hey, when you learn from me, it's going to take repetition. It's going to take practice. It's not going to come easy because it's countercultural. Listen, the thing today I want you to know, at the end of the day, when you leave here today and you go out to lunch or whatever you're going to do or wherever you're going to go to watch the lines loose today, I want you to know this. <laughs> good, you're still awake. That's good. I want you to know this line right here, that rhythm with Jesus brings life. That rhythm with Jesus brings life. Rhythm is this repetitive motion, time after time, repeating a behavior. 
And if you've played a sport, uh, you understand like when you see a basketball player in rhythm, or when you see a golfer in rhythm, or when you see a baseball player in rhythm, that it looks different, it feels different. They've, they've learned this rhythm, this ebb and flow to what they're doing. I played college baseball, I wasn't very good, uh, but I was a pitcher. And there were times when I would pitch that I was in this rhythm. Throw the ball, get back, get to the mound, throw the ball, get back, get to the mound, because something felt right, because was, there was a pace and a rhythm that felt good there. And see, every single one of you have a rhythm in your life. You all have it. It can be a good rhythm. It can be a stressful rhythm. It can be an anxious rhythm. It can be a joyful rhythm. I don't know. I don't know every single one of you in the room. But all of you have a rhythm to your life. And what I would say today is for most of us, for many of us, that rhythm needs work. I know for my life, that rhythm needs work. So when we talk about this and we talk about how do we do this? How, how do we build a rhythm that brings life, a rhythm with Jesus, where there's margin, where there's space, where there's the ability to connect with him and connect in relationships. And, and even this, like, what if your rhythm included this? This is crazy. What if your rhythm included the idea that when you woke up in the morning, you actually felt refreshed? Whoa. <laughs> like you woke up and your battery that was at like 10% the night before, you were at 100% the next morning. And you went through your day and you worked your tail off at your job because I think Christians should be the best workers in any environment. So you worked your tail off at your job. You loved your family well. You had good rest time. You got a good night's sleep, which means eight hours. You, you weren't on your phone all evening because you were with your family. And you woke up the next morning and it felt like a weekend. What if you woke up on Monday like that? <laughs> I know, it's funny, right? <laughs> um, but it's possible. Is that our rhythm can bring us life. When that rhythm includes Jesus, it can bring us life. So how do we do it? How do we slow down? and invite God in. Well, well, the first part is real simple. I'm going to give you a few practical things today. I want to give you a few tips and tricks, practical things that you can do in your life to build this rhythm with Jesus so that your life can be restful, that your life can be energizing, that your relationships can be great, that your health can be good, and the end of your life, you know that you're living that life that God created you to live, that best life that he's designed for you. Because that's what this verse in Matthew says today. So what are some things we can do? The first thing is this, is we have to slow down. Like we have to slow down. This is countercultural. We have to slow down the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we drive. Because all of that comes from a lack of margin. In my job, when I am moving so fast, and I do things like this. This is, the, this is the thing of what I do sometimes. Hey, Bill. Hey, nice to see you, Bill. How are you, Bill? Right? And I, you ever see people like that where they're looking over somebody's shoulder or they go to say hi to you then to move on to the next person or they're, they're on the phone before they interact with you or they walk into a meeting and you can see this emotional trail behind them of anxiety and busyness. You don't have to do that. You're in control of your life and your schedule. You're in control of your emotions and your energy. We have the ability to slow down. Now, it means cutting things out. It means saying a two-letter swear word. Now, I'm not going to swear in church, but the two-letter word is no. And for some of you to say no to other people or say no to work or say no to a pressure that somebody's putting on you, that's like, it makes you anxious just thinking about saying that word. But we can say it. We can say no to people. We have to slow down and eliminate what's good so that we can live in what is great. 
So a great illustration for that is uh, this beautiful jar right here. Now, I made a mistake is that I didn't bring two of them. Um, but this is kind of clear, right? You can see a little ways through it. It's a little murky. Imagine this was 100% clear like it was for the first service this morning. And that was, let's see, about an hour and a half ago. So I say, a lot of times, this is how we want to we live life, through a clear jar. We can see through it. We can think. Everything's settled. But this is what usually happens at the end of our day. We, try, we live like this. Murky, swirled up, unsettled. And then get this. We try to engage in relationships and make decisions. When we can't see clearly, when we're all shook up, when everything's swirling, where there's that low hum of, of anxiety and sometimes even resentment within us, we live life and we go from, from meeting to meeting, from place to place to place, and then we're expected just to be calm and be great in relationships with those closest to us. <laughs> Doesn't always work, does it? We can slow down. Because this jar takes about an hour and a half to two hours to calm down. For me, it takes me about an hour and a half to two hours to truly calm down but we can slow down. Now, when you slow down, what do you do? Probably the first time you do it, you're going to fall asleep. Uh, but the next time after that, I would say, I want you to pick a spiritual practice. Pick a practice. Now for me, okay, everybody's different. Every personality profile is different. Every wiring is different. For me, when I pick a practice, what it looks like is when I want to slow down and connect with God, there's two things that I do. One, this is how broken I am as I go for a long run. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> I go for a long run. I put some worship music on or a podcast. I engage my body and my mind. And I have some of the great conversations, best conversations with Jesus out in nature running. That's me. I would not ask you to do that. Sometimes in the morning, I'll get up before my kids get up, before my wife gets up, before the day has polluted my heart. And I'll sit with God. And just say, God, what, what do you have for me today? God, what, what am I carrying with me from yesterday? Like, what are those things I'm still kind of unprocessed from yesterday that I'm moving with me into my next day? God, I'm, I'm a little, man, I'm, I'm anxious this morning. God, I'm a little sad this morning. God, I'm excited this morning. And I can have a great conversation with him. Write it down, journal. Those are things that work for me. Another thing that works for me, a practice that I love, is I set a timer about four or five hours into my day uh, in four-hour increments to pause for 10 minutes and just sit there. Like I'll close my office door and I'll turn my back to the window so people think I'm doing something important and I'll sit there. Sometimes I'll even put my headphones on and not even put anything on them. But just, you know, the headphones are universal sign for don't talk to me. Uh, so I'll do that sometimes. And I'll just sit there and breathe. Jesus, I have this meeting coming up and I feel like I want to kill my coworker from the first meeting. And so how do I not bring that into my next meeting? Jesus, I've been having a great day, but then I got a text from home and one of my kids is struggling today. How, how do I, how can I process that? Jesus, I, man, that comment that person made, that hurt. What do I do with that? I just sit, acknowledge, talk to God about it, settle, and then move in. That's me. Those are some practices I do. For you, you may be an introvert out there today and you're like, yes, somebody telling me to be more quiet and interact with less people. <laughs> like that could be you today. Then my, th my challenge for you would be getting community. Have lunch with somebody you're not used to. Open up to somebody about what's going on in your life. Like, do something that gets you out of your comfort zone. If you don't, if you don't like that, journal. Work on the idea of going for a walk out in nature. Listen to worship music. Read scripture. Pray. Do something. But pick a practice. 
Because when we slow down, we don't want to fill it with more junk, right? We want to slow down and then pick a practice that we can engage with Jesus on that's going to move us forward in our faith. So slow down, pick a practice. And then the next step is once we do that, we've got to find a time and a place. See, for many of us in this room, you're like, Bill, I've done this before. I've been a Christian before. I'm a Christian right now. Not before, I am right now. Uh, I, I get this. I've, I've heard this before. Cool. Is it in your schedule? Like, is it in your phone? Like, is it an appointment? Do you have a place that you go to? Do you know, when you say, okay, I'm going to go for a walk and pray, are you going to be intentional about when that walk happens, where you're going to walk, and where you're going to leave your phone so it doesn't come with you? Right? If you're going to wake up early, awesome. If you talk to your family about it, do they know about it? Do you know the place you're going to go and pray at? The night before, do you have your journal out? Do you have your Bible? All these things are little distractions that get in our way when we go to actually slow down and pick a practice. We have to do just a little bit of planning, just a little bit. But I'm telling you, if it's not in my schedule, I don't get to it. And so for you, you may say, oh, I so want to pray. Awesome. Take out your phone and set a reminder. Schedule it in. Don't even put prayer. Put unmovable appointment with somebody more important than me. <laughs> like, title it whatever you want. <laughs> but put it in there and find a place. Right? So I want you to slow down. Say no to the good. Say no to the urgent so that you can work on the important. I want you to pick a practice that works for you, that fits with your personality, that fits with your lifestyle. I want you to find a time and a place. And then I want you to invite God into it. Without that, it's just you having some time for you to be calm, right? No, I want you to invite God into it. Say something like, God, this is difficult for me today. I've had a really stressful day and I have a lot going on. I need your help. God, I need you to meet me right here because of X. And this is the craziest thing that'll happen. See, you read in scripture, God speaks in many different ways. Like he, sometimes he uses the big megaphone. Uh, sometimes he does like the booming voice from heaven. Uh, sometimes he shows up in a burning bush. Uh, sometimes he, uh, he will talk through uh, a cloud. Sometimes he'll work through an earthquake. But usually, just usually, he works through a whisper. And I did a little research on this because to me, whisper's not a very powerful way to communicate. It seems a little meek to me. Not a great communication method. And, and one of the writers I was researching said this. He says, I don't know why God whispers, but here's my idea. When you whisper, you have to get really close with the person next to you. You have to quiet everything else out. You have to lean in. You can hear their breathing. You can feel their breath on your neck. They have to be in your personal space. It's an intimate way to communicate. And I would contend that the reason God whispers has to do less about what he has to say and more about his presence and its proximity to us. And so when we invite God into that moment, when he whispers, he's close to us, we can feel it. When God whispers to me, it changes everything. It changes the whole trajectory of my day. And usually it's crazy. Usually it's not, I'm, I'm like, God, I need an answer about this. I need to know about this. Like I kind of deal with like a business transaction. And God's like, hey, Bill, just want you to know I love you and I'm proud of you today. And I'm like, yeah, but I still need those answers for that thing that I need. <laughs> and God's like, hey, but I just want you to know, like, I love you and you don't have to strive for that. You're good. When's the last time you talked to your wife and kids? And I'm like, no, but I really need that answer for that thing. 
And God just wants, many times what God has to say to us isn't what we're going there to hear. But his presence in our lives is what changes us. And so I'd encourage you, when you slow down, when you pick a practice, when you find that time and place and you invite God in, just listen. Don't talk. Just listen to him. Listen to what he has to say to you. Because he'll speak. And when he speaks, then you can obey. Once you do that, uh, another thing that you can do, and this is kind of the last kind of rounding it out piece after you invite God in, is you have to bring others into it. Bring others along. See, Christianity is not an individual sport. Being a believer is not something that wins for you and for I on our own. See, when we move into this faith space, when we start talking about slowing down, we start talking about picking a practice, we start talking about inviting God in where he can move in the depths of our heart and allow us to live this life, this better life than we could ever dream of, the only way this works is when we have people we can talk to about it, people we can pray for about it, people who can pray for us about it, people who we can go to the vulnerable, authentic places of our lives. Bring somebody with you. At the end of the day, this rhythm with Jesus brings life. We read about it in Matthew. We see that he wants to bring us rest. He wants to offer us something free and light. He wants to show us an unforced rhythm of grace. He wants us to slow down so that we can seek him, hear from him, and move into life with his voice, with his love, and with his joy. That's what he has for you and for I today. Now think about this for a minute. What if you did this on a regular basis? Like, can you imagine for a minute what your marriage would be like if your day started with Jesus whispering in your ear? How could you impact your workplace if you started in the morning with a time with God that he gave you perspective and orientation to what he wanted you to do at work that day. Chances are he's not going to talk about that project that's overdue. Chances are he's going to talk about that person that sits in the cube next to you and what they need from him and how you can help. What would it look like in our communities, in our workplaces, in our schools, if we were a a group of people that sat at the feet of Jesus, resisted the urge of busyness, and did this in community together. How would that change our lives? Free and light. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Free and light. I know what it's done for my life. And newsflash, I'm not perfect at it. It's a struggle daily. I opened my journal this morning. Full vulnerability, opened my journal. And the last date I had made a journal entry was a week ago. Right? And there was that moment where I went... Oh, God, I got to teach on this today. God said, come here. Hey, Bill, I love you and I'm proud of you. That's what Jesus does. And if that is something that you need in your life, slow down. Pick a practice. Find a time and a place. Invite God in. And get a group of, of men or women around you. They can fight for you, they can pray for you, and they can be there for you. Because rhythm with Jesus brings life. Let me pray for you today. God, thank you for your word that's so clear. God, that you love us, that you care for us. God, that you have a purpose and a plan for our lives. 
God, thank you that you offer us something nobody else does. You offer us freedom. You offer us a life of joy and adventure that's free and light, no matter our circumstances. But you offer us a relationship that outweighs all of them. God, I pray for everybody in the room today. God, that whether they've known you for a day, a decade, or a century, that there's something today they can do to move closer to you. Something they can eliminate from their lives. Something they can, they can intentionally do with you and people they can bring along with it. So that we can be people that resist culture, that accept you, and that live a life full of your love. In your name we pray. Amen.